listening to Deuteronomy chapter number 34. And we'll pick it up in verse number 7, Deuteronomy chapter number 34 and verse number 7. Let's all stand to our feet if we could please in honor of the Word of God here this evening. If you're new to your Bibles, the book of Deuteronomy is just a few books after the beginning. You find the book of Genesis as the first book, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So right there, not too far from the beginning of your Bible, you'll go to the last chapter of Deuteronomy, right before Joshua, and we'll begin reading in verse number 7. The Bible says, And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. <laughs> and Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and in all that mighty hand and in all that great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Chapter 1 of the book of Joshua. And verse number 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Skip down. Verse number 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please guide and direct in the service this evening. I, I yield myself to you. I, I beg you, please, that you would speak through me, that you would guide my thoughts and my speech. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon this place upon your people, upon the lost and the saved. Draw the lost to salvation. And Lord, please draw the saved closer to Thee. Lord, please use this vessel this evening for Your will. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> Moses led unto the end. The Bible tells us that Moses was 120 years old when he died and his eye was not dim nor his natural force abated. Wouldn't that be nice, folks? <laughs> that your eyesight not give out and not, not get cloudy, but to always be sharp until the day you die and then his natural force was not abated. That means his strength continued until the very last day. It's amazing, and it was a miracle. 
we can't all expect that same thing. God did that for Moses so that he could continue to lead faithfully God's people. And he blessed him. Moses led unto the end. God's Spirit was with him. He maintained not only his strength by God's miraculous power, but he personally maintained his vigorous desire to lead God's people until the day that he died. We see another one in this story. And these are more than just stories. These are real people that really lived and a real God who really worked. The Bible says about Joshua that he was the next in line who God chose to lead His people. I'm going to speak first about Moses and then I'm going to speak about Joshua. Which means that in some ways, depending on what category you find yourself in, I'll speak to the more experienced and the more wise first. And then I'll speak secondly to the young people who are waiting in the wings to lead. I want to preach on this subject this evening. Who will lead? Who will tarry? Who will lead? Who will tarry? The first part makes sense. Who will lead? Because Moses led. I'll explain the second part as we get a little deeper into the message. I want to say first of all, to those of you that have laid the foundation and the groundwork for those that are coming behind, that we have relied upon you over the years and we still look up to you. Maybe I put myself in the younger category too soon. I suppose that now I'm starting on that other side of the downhill slope. The Lord says three score and ten years are promised to us. If that's true, then my midlife has already passed. So I suppose maybe I've already rounded the top and on the way back down. I don't know. Depends on how many years the Lord gives us. But I want to say to those who have built and have worked and have labored that we need you to continue to lead. Now you may think that in your latter years that it's time to relax. And maybe in some ways it will be necessary for you to back off in some things based on physically what you can and cannot do anymore. And there may be some things that you're incapable of doing like you used to. Unfortunately, we can't say that everybody in this room has that, that miraculous unabated strength and that miraculous eyesight unto the end. But I do believe that God still wants you and that the younger people behind you still need you to lead. We need you to lead first and foremost unto the end. Unto the last day. We need you to lead until you draw your last breath. We need you to stay in the fight and stay by the stuff until you can't do it anymore. We need you to lead. The generation coming behind you needs you to lead. Now again, I say this to people knowing that you're going to have to categorize yourself by age. But I will say, if you are past that age of youth where there is those teen years still attached to your name, 
this category may apply to you. We need you to lead in a few specific areas. We need you to lead in standards. We need you to lead in your walk with the Lord. We need you to lead in your service for the Lord. We need you to keep your vision of what example you need to leave behind if the Lord tarries and you end up in heaven. Please listen to this preacher this evening. If you back off, the next generation will too. Stay by the stuff. And do it with some vision of what you want to lead others to do when you're gone. Unfortunately, sometimes, because we've already done much work and because there has already been much accomplished in our lives, we have a tendency to not continue to press on. Do as Paul did, where he said, I press toward the mark. Don't back down. It doesn't matter your age, you can still lead. Just because there have been past successes doesn't mean that it's time for you to let somebody else begin to be successful in the Lord's work. It means that you need to continue to push and to strive together with each other for the Lord. You know, sometimes one of the hardest things, and I don't want to get ahead of myself and preach a message that I may preach in the future, <laughs> but the Lord brings this to mind. You know, in the book of John, chapter number 15, the Bible talks about how God uh, is the vine and we are the branches. And He talks about how that when we have seen fruit, that He will purge us that we may bring forth more fruit. And you know one of the hardest purgings for a person to overcome is the purging of past success. And I've preached on that subject before. Sometimes we have a tendency to live on our past successes and say, well, I've already led people to Christ before, so because when I was in my 20s and 30s, I worked on the bus route and I led people to the Lord, it's time for me to relax a little bit and it's time for somebody else to get on board. I want to say this, we will not have as many get on board if you back off at the end. Because what is happening is you're still being looked up to. And the young adults and the young people coming behind you that will one day be called upon to lead need to see you leading unto the end. They need to see you continuing to have a burden for souls. They need to see you continuing to have a burden to be in church in your place. They need to see you leading by your actions, not just by your words. I find it uh, humorous and interesting. I've used this illustration before, but not long after I came here, Miss Marietta Wood, <coughs> who normally sits <coughs> right down here in this area, <coughs> she came up to me. <coughs> uh, I can't remember exactly how the conversation came up, but she was telling me about some things going on. She calls it her ministry there in, in the, uh, the, the, the living care center that she, that she lives in. She calls it her ministry, the people there that need to be reached for the Lord. And she tells me constantly, oh preacher, you need to come over and see my ministry. Oh, God has given me a ministry. And she talks about the people there that she's trying to reach. And I heard her say, and she and I teased about this a little bit, but I heard her say, uh, you know, some of, those, some of those men have wanted to come into my room and visit with me. And she said, I don't care. 
if I'm a little bit older. Some of those people are doing that kind of stuff, but she said, I don't care if I'm a little bit older. I decided a long time ago that I'm not going to be alone with another man who's not my husband. And she said, you know, some of the older ladies out there, you know, they grew up dressed in a different way, but now that they've gotten older, now they're all starting to put on their britches. And she said, a long time ago, God showed me I was a girl. That's what, that's what she said. If you don't like it, she did the preaching, okay, not me. But she talks about, she talks about how she is still continuing to hold on to her standards and her principles and her walk with the Lord unto the end. Miss Mary, I don't know if you're listening tonight, but that means something to this preacher. I need you to continue to lead. And so do the young people here. We need you to lead unto the end. I want to say secondly, we need you to lead by helping prepare the younger generation to lead when you go home with the Lord. Now, this takes balance. We need you to keep serving. But it is also necessary at times to help prepare the younger people and invest in them and provide opportunities for them to serve as well. I believe that we have a good balance of that here in our ministry. <laughs> but I don't want you to take it as a slight in these latter years when younger people are beginning to seek after the Lord's will and you feel like, well, I'm being pushed out of the way. I, I, as your preacher, am not trying to push you out of the way. It is not my intention and that is not what I'm preaching tonight. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that you need to begin to invest in the next generation if you have not already and see that if we're going to have a healthy ministry and the Lord tarries His coming, that some of these young people need to be invested in and taught the things that they need to learn so that they can do your job when you can't do it anymore. And that's not just jobs in the church. I'm talking about the Bible teaches us that the older ladies are, te are to teach the younger ladies how to lead in the home, how to lead their children, how to love their husbands. And I'll duck right after I say this. The Bible also teaches the older ladies that they are to teach the younger ladies to submit to their husbands. Now that has been, I didn't duck, alright? I'm not so scared, I guess. Now in some ways, some men have relinquished that authority because they don't live in the will of God and they act like children. And some precious ladies have to take the role of mother and father because they don't have a leader at home. A man who leads spiritually, a man who wants to lead in every way that God has called him to lead. And I'm not in any way sliding you ladies that have been forced into a role of mother and father because you haven't had a man that would do that for you, for your children. But we need you to prepare the younger generation to lead when you've gone home to be with the Lord. We need you to keep serving. We need you to keep leading unto the end. And I want to say the younger generation needs to stay patient. Opportunities for service will come as the Lord allows. Opportunities for leadership will come 
as the Lord opens the door. But there's a lot to learn from this older generation before we're truly ready to lead. The truth is, they have more wisdom, some of them, in their pointer finger or in their little finger than you have in your entire lifetime. And it would be good to sit and learn, to ask questions, to gain knowledge, to learn from the gray head and to uplift the gray head, to understand that there is wisdom and experience and knowledge there that cannot be gained from any 20-year-old that you will meet. You know, it'd be better if we would learn from the people in our church than if we would learn from the people in our schools that know nothing about God. It would be better if we would learn from the older people in our church who have spent their time walking with the Lord and have spent their time serving Him than if we would learn from anybody in the workplace. I'm not saying you shouldn't learn in the public spectrum, but I am saying that what is being left behind is the knowledge of the holy from those that have served the Lord and have gone before and have pressed towards the mark. And it would be good if the young people stay patient and learn. It'd be good if you had the time to sit down with some of the... No, no, you do have the time. It would be good if you take the time to sit down with your mom and dad and ask them questions and learn from them if you're lucky enough to have them in your home. And young adults, can I say this? It's not time to stop asking mom and dad questions just because you get married. That's time to keep picking their brain. They've been there, done that. They know a whole lot about relationships that you don't know yet. Just because you got a ring on each other's finger doesn't mean you got it all figured out yet. It'd be good if you have the luxury of having a mom and dad that love the Lord and have a good marriage to keep picking their brain. You know, it'd be a lot better to gain knowledge from mom and dad about marriage than somebody in a self-help book that's had three divorces or isn't even married anymore, but they want to try to counsel you. Not saying there aren't things that can be learned from some of those people. But what I'm saying is, how about we learn from somebody who has succeeded in the area that we're trying to succeed in? Well, my mom and dad don't know. No, your mom and dad probably know more than that psychiatrist that shows up on TV every now and then. Because they're not, they're not taking marriage from a spiritual or a biblical uh, standpoint. They don't have a biblical foundation. They'll give you worldly advice, and a lot of times it'll end up leading you astray. Best thing you can, I don't know why I'm saying all this. This isn't in my notes. I'm just saying it. Best thing you can do is pick your parents' brain about marriage. It'd be a good thing to do. Now, I want to ask you who will lead? Who will lead unto the end? Who will lead by preparing the younger generation to lead when you're home with the Lord? I want to insert a final one here. Who will lead with principles, not feelings? If what we hand to the next generation is a life lived off of feelings and they see that we start changing things towards the end of our life because we feel differently about things or because, hey, you know what? I've already stood for what is right and now I can relax a little bit and do what I feel is okay for me to do. Then what will end up happening is whether you realize it or not, you will begin to lead young people to do the same thing, to live a feelings-based life, to guide their, their, their marriages and their homes on a feelings-based principle, to guide their spiritual life on a feelings-based principle,
principle. Be careful what you say with young people about the things of the Lord. Well, you know what? I think you all ought to go to church, but I'm just not feeling very good tonight. I think I'll stay home. Be careful by leading with your feelings and not principles as you get down to the end. Now, young people understand there will be times when those who have gone before us just can't do the things that they used to do. And you need yourself to understand that they may not always be able to make the church services, and you can anyway. But, it's not time to soften too much on the standards and on your walk and on your principles that you once held because now you have softened. My father has taught me over the years that when it comes to ministry, that the young preachers need the old preachers and the old preachers sometimes need the young preachers. And here is why he says so. <laughs> As we age, we naturally, and probably it's a good thing, we get a little softer. In your early years... Man, you are all fire and zeal and hardly any compassion. But as you experience hardship and trials and hear the hearts of people and have some of your own hardships and as God humbles you and molds you and purges you, little by little you soften up and a little compassion comes in and before you know it, you turn into a blubbering mess as you hit your latter years and just about everything is based on feeling. Oh, bless their little heart. They didn't mean anything by that is what just about every grandparent says. And you know what? Every kid needs a grandparent's sheltered home to ever so often go and... Somebody's calling the church. Amen. We're in church right now. Please don't call right now. That's never happened before. We're going to wait for the phone to stop ringing because if not, it's going to drive me nuts. Okay, it's not ringing anymore. They must be watching the service. All right, thank you very much. All right. But as we get older, we get softer. And it happens naturally. And here's often what happens. Younger preachers who are all zeal and fire and vim and vigor and hardly any compassion need to put a, an older preacher in the pulpit every now and then so that he can come into the church with some compassion and bring some balance for the people. And the older preachers who have gotten softer over the years and had a tendency to back off on some things, I've seen some churches that lose their standards in the latter years. Because the preacher just loves the people and bless their heart. And they lose their standards and they lose their holiness and they lose their direction because a good preacher who served for a long time just has a soft heart now. And he's not doing anything wrong. He's just softer. And every so often he needs the younger preacher to come in and blow the doors off. We need balance in these latter years of life and we need to remember, please, please, Will you continue to lead with vision of what you need to leave behind for the next generation? Church member, if you start becoming unfaithful, what are you leaving behind? If you start falling out of your place in the pew, what will you leave behind? Who will lead? Who will lead unto the end? Who will lead by preparing the younger generation to lead when you're home with the Lord? And who will lead with principles, not feelings? This message isn't coming out anything like what I expected. And I thought that first point would be a barnstorming, jumping off the pews point. And 
that's just not the way the Lord has given it to me. I guess we're just having a little chat. Will you lead unto the end? Please don't back down. Please don't back down. I need some help. I don't desire to see our church back down on its standards and on its holiness and on its direction. I don't, I don't desire that. I need your help to continue to lead in every way. Because the young people will hear the messages, but more importantly, they'll see your direction. They'll know if you're listening. They'll know if you're leading. Who will lead? Moses led unto the end. And he left an example for Joshua. Now, <laughs> the Bible tells us something about Joshua's life. Sometimes we get the idea, I think, <laughs> that Joshua <laughs> was put in this position <laughs> because he put himself in that position. But out of all the young people in Israel that God could have chosen to lead Israel after Moses was off the scene, why is it that Joshua was chosen to lead next. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would please, to Exodus chapter number 33. And I want you to look at an earlier part of Joshua's life. Joshua chapter number 33 and verse number 11. Well, let's see here. I know I'm doing it again. Look at verse number 9, please. Exodus 33 and verse number 9. The Bible says, and it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, <coughs> the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Now that cloudy pillar is a picture of the presence of God. And God, when He would descend upon the tabernacle, He would descend and His presence would be represented by this cloud. The people were afraid to approach unto God. And so they stood back from their tents and watched as Moses went to the tabernacle. As he went there, the Bible says the Lord talked with Moses. And in verse number 10, the Bible says, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. All of Israel was afraid to approach the Lord. They kept their distance. They watched from afar. As Moses walked up to the tabernacle on behalf of the people to be in the presence of God. In their fear, nobody would get near the tabernacle. But there was one young man out of all of them who decided he wanted to be near unto the Lord. And as he served Moses, the Bible tells us, that he went to the tabernacle with him. And when Moses was done, and God was done speaking with him, he walked back to the camp. But why is it that God chose Joshua? 
to, to, to serve and to lead for the next generation? Was it the fact that he was a warrior? Joshua was a warrior. You see, Moses was a leader. Joshua was a, was a warrior. God used him to fight the battles that Moses did not fight. And so Joshua had a different personality. He was a different kind of a person. He wasn't the same kind of a leader. And some of you young people will be different from the leaders that have gone on before you. You'll have different personalities. You will have different qualities. You'll have different things that the Lord has put in your life as a part of your nature and as a part of your personality that make you different. But one thing that God is looking for above all of the rest, He's not looking for somebody who has a whole bunch of skill. He's not looking for somebody who has a whole bunch of talent. He's not looking for somebody who has a whole bunch of preaching ability or a whole bunch of singing ability or a whole bunch of leadership ability. Here's what I tell you he's looking for. He's looking for the young person who will tarry and wait for his presence. He's looking for the young person that wants to know God like the previous generation did. Joshua tarried still at the temple. He didn't depart when Moses departed. Why? Because I believe that Joshua wanted to know God the same way that Moses Moses wanted to know God. And if you think that God is going to use you because your mommy has a name or your daddy has a name or because you can sing or because you have some oratory skill and you can preach, let me tell you what God's actually looking for. He's looking for the young person who will not depart, who will tarry a little while longer, who will stay in the presence of God, who cares about knowing the Lord, who wants to walk with the Lord, who wants to be in the presence of the Lord, who wants to be filled by the Spirit of the Lord. God is looking for a young generation who's not concerned about titles, not concerned about leadership ability, but concerned about knowing God. That's what he's looking for. I stand before you as a preacher tonight to tell you, I promise you, I've seen it time and time again when God lifts up a servant. It's not because they have great talent. It's because they know how to stay with him. Because they tarry. Because they tarry. Moses wasn't a great orator. He was afraid to speak in front of people. He refused God's calling at first because he was afraid to speak out loud. And God said, I'll give you Aaron and he'll speak on your behalf. But I'm going to speak to you and I want you to talk to Aaron. And Aaron can be your voice. Moses wasn't a good speaker. And some of you think, well, man, I can't preach like that. I can't teach like that. Let me tell you something. God can teach you how to do that if you'll just tarry with Him. If you'll just stay with Him. He can do things in you that you cannot learn in a classroom. The greatest servants of the Lord have not been the great orators or the great singers. They've been the ones who tarried. They've been the ones who would not depart. Here's what I'm begging of the next generation. Don't worry about the titles, man. Don't worry about the positions. Don't worry about all of the things that you have your eyes set on. First and foremost, learn how to know the Lord. Know Him. You're 20, 30 years old and waiting for your time. Let me tell you what you need to do right now. Instead of seeking the position, seek after God. Amen. Seek after the Lord. We need some young people, young adults and young teenagers and little tykes 
who be, be, be before they ever look for a position or a title, they begin to seek after the Lord. What does the Bible say about him? Joshua, a young man, before he was ever an old man, serving the Lord as a great general, he was a young man seeking the Lord who would not depart. I want to ask you tonight, who will tarry? Who will tarry? Who will tarry at the Lord's feet in your Bibles and learn from Him? You say, preacher, I don't understand all my Bible. That's okay, I don't either. I still don't. I was talking with somebody the other day about preaching and they were asking some questions about some different things and I was I was just encouraging them to understand please know this one of the greatest examples I've ever received was when I sat down with my dad and with another preacher Keith brother Keith Gomez and you see these guys preaching and they know their bibles and they man they thunder it out and you think they know everything in, in the Word of God. And you know, on more than one occasion, I've sat down with those men and said, now what about this, this, and this? And you know one of the greatest answer I, answers I ever heard as a young man? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. You know why that was helpful to me? Because as a young preacher, I used to get scared to death. I've got to know my whole Bible before I can stand up and preach and, and, and give the people what the Lord wants them to have. And man, then you hear some experienced preacher who's been doing it for 40 years say, I don't know. You go, Whew. man, that's good to know. You mean even sometimes there are things that these guys don't understand? Yeah. This, this Bible, listen, there are things in here we will probably all die without a full understanding of this book. Don't let that discourage you. Just spend time in it and walk with the Lord. You'll get some things every now and then. And as you get older, the more you read it, and the more you get to know the Lord, the more you understand it. It'll come. But tarry with Him. Be patient enough to walk with God. Be patient enough not to get discouraged in your Bible reading. Be patient enough to keep reading and to keep seeking. And here's what I want you to do. More than anything, just learn God. Get to know Him. We say, well, how can you do that? Get into that book and learn about His personality and the things He likes and the things that He doesn't like and the, the things that He stands against and preaches against and the, the personality that His precious Son had when He was here on this earth and the things that your Lord loved and the things that He preached against and hated. Learn to love and hate those things. Get to know the Lord. Just get to know Him. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was a person. You can get to know Him. Read your Bible and just learn about the Lord. That's a good place to start. I was talking with Brother Stallman here a couple weeks ago, and he was, I think I mentioned it actually at the Labor Day uh, picnic that we had. Brother Stallman said, you know, he handed a discipleship book to a missionary, I think, from Australia years ago, and said, this is what we're using for our people. And he said, the missionary kind of thumbed through it real quick and 
said he threw it to the side and said, well, that's useless. He said, what? What are you talking about? It's useless. He said, well, that's the problem with modern discipleship books. He said, you just, somebody gets saved and then you just give them a bunch of commands. Do this, do this, do this, do this, and we never introduce them to God. And he said, you know, the first thing we ought to do, we ought to introduce people to God and get them to know the Lord. And once you learn the Lord and get to know Him, then the things that matter to Him will matter to you. Once you learn His love, you'll want to please Him. I said, Brother Stallman, you're right. Well, he said, well, that missionary was right. I guess they're working on a discipleship book now trying to put something together that introduces the new Christian to God more than all the rules. And then through being introduced to God, then introducing to them, all right, so here's what pleases God. What a novel idea. That thou shalt love the Lord thy God with, huh? <laughs> That's the first and greatest commandment. Why don't we start there? I don't know. But let me encourage some of you young people to start there. Say, well, I don't understand all the rules. I don't understand all the guidelines. All right, just get to know the Lord. Get in that book and get close to Him. I'm asking you, who will lead and who will tarry? I, I want to say this and I'll be done. Moses tarried and he would not depart from the temple. The first thing he wanted the most was to know the Lord. But you know, Moses also tarried as a servant. Uh, Joshua, excuse me, also tarried as a servant. I personally believe in the servant first principle of leadership. I believe it's taught biblically by the Lord in many places. Remember, the Bible says that the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend, but his servant Joshua. His servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. In Joshua chapter number 1, in verse number 1, where we read just a little bit ago, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Now the Bible calls Moses the servant of the Lord, it calls Joshua the servant of the Lord, and then it also calls Joshua Moses' minister. What is a minister? Somebody who serves another person. Somebody who ministers unto them and meets their needs. Joshua was a servant of the Lord, of the Lord and a servant of Moses. Now listen, Moses was a servant Two, and the Bible says that Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. God, in His Word, promotes people who have a servant's heart. In Matthew chapter number 23, the Bible says, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now listen, servitude requires faithfulness, servitude requires consistency, servitude requires humility, and God lifts those up who are humble. God exalts those to positions who are first 
servants. You know, it does something to a person's heart when they see that you're willing to serve them. When they see that you're willing to grab them a drink while they sit at the table at the, uh, at the, at the uh, dinners that we have together as a church. When you're willing to hold a door for them as they come through holding their tray of food. When the Lord gives us a chance to serve, we ought to serve. Because listen to me, the Lord does something to the heart of a person when we see somebody serving us, then we begin this process of understanding how much they must care. And when we begin to see how much people care and how humble that they are, we have a tendency to want to follow them. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says of Paul, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, the Bible says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. In Proverbs chapter number 29 and verse number 23, the Bible says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. In Luke chapter number 14, the Bible says, For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. In Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says, But God in His precious Son made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And in verse number 9, the Bible says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You want to be exalted? Learn how to be a servant. If God applied this principle with His own Son, we should not assume we need to be the exception to that rule. Will you tarry in His presence and will you tarry as a servant and wait until God is ready to move in, into the position that He wants to use you in? Joshua didn't choose this position for himself. He didn't request it. The Bible doesn't say that he asked for it. He simply ministered and served and God saw it and He blessed him. Will you tarry? <laughs> In His presence, will you tarry as a servant? It'd be good <coughs> for some young people <coughs> to become a servant of their parents at home. To see their needs and try to meet them before the time comes. You say, well, who sees me when I do that? God does. He sees it. You want God to use you? Learn how to be a servant. We need young adults and young people who will tarry, who will seek God, who will know Him, who will trust Him, who will read about Him, who will learn about Him, who will communicate with Him. And we need young people who will tarry and be a servant. I got out of order here a little bit in my notes, but I want to say, you don't need to talk about how you tarry with the Lord. Sometimes we want to hasten the attention so that we can put in a, be put in a position of leadership if people are listening to how good we are as a servant, to how much time we spend with the Lord. 
Jesus said, if you seek attention when you pray, that you already have your reward. What is your reward? The attention you got. And sometimes it's not good attention. But if you tarry with God privately, He will reward thee openly. We don't need young preachers talking about how you walk with the Lord. We just need you to walk with the Lord. I don't talk about the times I fast. Not even my own children know. I don't tell you about it. When I was younger, I used to want that attention. Well, that's not how it works. We need young men who will fast and pray and never tell a soul so that God can reward you openly with the power that you're seeking. You want power from God? Fast and pray and don't tell anybody. And put on a front like you're not fasting and don't seek attention because you're hungry. Just do it. And let God see you abasing yourself and wanting His power and His presence more than anything. More than man's attention. More than man's applause. Oh, that old song says, I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. I'd rather be faithful to His dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And let me say something. Don't be enamored with the people who are talking on Facebook about how godly they are. Pride can be found in preachers too, you know. And pride always cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When a man online begins to get a following and he begins to start to exalt himself, I get scared for him. I'm not saying that I'm the perfect example of this either. All I'm saying is, tarry with the Lord and do it in private. And watch Him reward thee openly. Do you understand what I'm saying? Fathers, tarry in prayer for your family. You don't have to tell anybody. If you want God to reward you openly, just do it. Church member, Carry for God in private for those who need to be healed. And don't use your prayer time as a point of exaltation and pride as you tell other people how much you pray. Pray and tell no one and see what God does.
serve and tell no one and see what God does. I believe in the principle of servant first leadership. Learn how to serve. Learn how to tarry. Who will seek to be filled with the Spirit of God before you go soul winning on Saturday? Before you try to lead your family? Can I just say this? Oh, i got to be done. Oh, my soul. You understand that the principle of being filled with the Holy Spirit is taught right in the midst of a bunch of principles about family leadership. Sometimes we talk about being filled with the Spirit as if it's only for ministry. Can I tell you, being filled with the Spirit is for your family as well. Because fathers and mothers, if there's anything we need in this day and time, it's Spirit-filled parents who are leading their homes. Moms who are tarrying at the feet of Jesus before your children ever get into trouble. Moms and dads who are tarrying at the feet of Jesus after your children made bad choices and got into trouble. I have two questions for you tonight. Who will lead? Who will tarry? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please do this evening what only you can do. Help, Lord, in the ways that only you can help. Speak, please, in the ways that only you can speak. With heads bowed and eyes.